Pickett slings it down the field. A good out pattern, and it goes to Vaughns. Vaughns is going to dive into the end zone. Tyler Vaughns from Kenny Pickett. <laughs> It's the footballiest time of the year. With quarterbacks throwing and tailgaters ready for some brats and beer. It's the footballiest time of the year. I can't help it. I'm excited. Football season is upon us. I know it's just preseason. I know it's just the Civil War reenactment. What am I going to do? I enjoyed watching the Pitt kid do it against fifth stringers from the bum Seattle Seahawks. I'm sure, I hope at least, you enjoyed watching your pro football team play in its own Civil War reenactment over the weekend. Welcome to Minus 3. Let's get into all of it. Coming up in just a minute here, our pal Mark Caballi from The Athletic. He was on the scene at Nay Hines Acroshore Stadium to watch the Seahawks and the Steelers. He'll be providing some insight on two of the bigger stories it feels like in pro football this August. What's going to happen with the Steelers' three-headed monster at QB and the rise of George Pickens, who looks like the real deal there. But a lot of football to talk about behind the glass right now. Eddie Spaghetti, busy week for him. He's moving and getting ready to go to a graveyard to watch My Morning Jacket play. Kabali on Sunday night was at PNC Park in Pittsburgh watching Metallica. I have some questions for him, especially after hearing Dan Campbell quote Metallica um, on Hard Knocks. In the meantime, I just want to say very quickly before we get into it, because I have a lot going on too, rather my children do, which is they're back to school. Summer has come and gone once again, and I have to issue my perennial apology to this generation. When I was in school, I hated it, Um, understandably. It sucks. What kind of weirdo likes going to school? I don't know. I have them in my own family. It's hard for me to really relate to them. I don't get what is enjoyable about the man trying to teach you stuff that he thinks is important, um, like math. You know, it's, it's nonsense mostly. But I swore in the midst of my hatred of school, um, I swore that when I take over society, I would rectify it as best I could and reduce the school week to three days. And here we are. It's not just still five days, but the school year is even longer than it was when I was going to school. What I'm saying is I failed you, and I deserve that. Um, I deserve any scorn you may have if you're listening right now and you're, you know, I don't know, a seven-year-old, a 17-year-old, whatever it is. You have my heartfelt apology. Spaghetti, school's too long, you know? I, too much. I- Totally agree with you. I mean, it's funny that how the work like workers are now getting pushed into kind of like a three day work week, four day work week. I know like Europe, they barely work there. They work like five hour days. Schools longer, longer days than people in the workforce, more days of the year. Um, I know there is a recent trend, especially where we live, Shaq in L.A., where a lot of people are doing homeschools. They just taking their kids out of the school and then putting that onus on the, the parents or the, uh, you know, the, the people, the guardians to to 
teach uh, the curriculum, which I find to be very difficult. And this is coming from somebody who was fairly good at school. I, I was lucky enough to go to a couple of good schools. I was good at it. I was a, a you know uh, a hard worker that sat through it. But now at the you know thirty years old, every time I see school on portrayed in a movie or television, and like it gets me like PTSD, where I'm like, wow, it really oh. was bad. It really is pretty awful to have homework. So true. That's exact. The PTSD, whatever the school equivalent of that is. Yes, I walk in and it again, it doesn't make a difference if it's grade school or when I walk uh, when I walk Jean-Claude Van Damaschek into middle school, much to his chagrin, too, by the way, he he's reached the place where as I'm dropping him off, he's like, please do not roll down your window and say anything. And of course, I, I mean, there'd be a decent shot. He should roll the dice and just not bring it up because then I'm, I'm dumb enough. I might just forget to try to embarrass him. But then once he asks me not to embarrass him, then what choice do I have but to embarrass him? And so he suffered a little bit of shaming for me, rolling down my window, yelling to him, Jean-Claude Van Damaschek in front of all his friends. And he was, uh, he was ashamed of that, you know, to acknowledge that you have parents when you're 13, you know, that's uh, the greatest. And especially parents who care about you. There's nothing more embarrassing than that to, to when, you, when you're that age. But um, are you embarrassed, Eddie Spaghetti, as we transition into pro football talk? And thank goodness for football, as I always say. It's a gift on many levels. But when you have to go back to school and if you're a working person and you have to say goodbye <laughs> to summertime and vacations and all of that, Thank goodness for football. I don't know what we would do as a society if that weren't the salve on our emotional and spiritual wounds. But how are you? Like I say, easy to feel good if you're roughly half. And I think preseason allows for you to feel good even in a loss because you could say our first string looked good or our quarterback made one good throw even in that loss. I don't know if there was a lot to be excited about with the New York Giants. How say you? Oh no, I I disagree with that. I think really? uh, yeah, I mean the tra- their their performance in the game beating the Patriots, uh, where you know they were terrible and tra- every day it's like the, the beat reporters like in training camp like yeah, Daniel Jones three interceptions, a sack, the forced fumble. This like the defense looks great in comparison, and then in the the game, uh, I believe they would they probably would have had two touchdown drives with Daniel Jones, but there was a, a ball that was dropped. I believe it was Kenny Galladay on like a quick slant. So I mean Jones looked pretty sharp. Um, Saquon was okay. He only had a few carries, but like his yards per carry were, were, were solid. Uh, I, I think, you know, there's a lot to be excited about for this, but it's, you know, it's one of those things where like, you always talk about it. it's the civil reenactment of for, I guess, in this case, like the training camp, it was something that I valued more. But weirdly enough, I guess, versus a different team versus the Patriots. And I know Belichick didn't put out a lot of his uh, first team starters, but beating them and looking like a complete team is a lot more exciting, I guess, than reading up the day to day report of them constantly doing, you know, terrible things in, in training camp practice. I'll tell you, I think the thing I, you know, I'm going through all the teams and all the divisions as we speak here. um, And of course, everything gets the asterisk until we're through all these games and practices and see where the injury toll um, lands here. But I'll tell you about the job. First of all, I think the Cowboys, the more I, the more I ponder this, I think there's some regression about to happen there. So that's where you start. I think the Eagles, Eagles are on the rise. I think the commies are somewhere in the middle. I'm tracking the Giants to fall into last place, no offense to you, but at w- the one thing to be excited about is that defensive front seven that they're going to throw out there. I mean, that's for real, like Ojalari and Thibodeau on, on either side, but 
Then, I mean, if Leonard Williams keeps this up um, along uh, alongside Dexter Lawrence, there's a lot to like about that at minimum going into the season. And then you kind of regard it as this is uh, this is the Daniel Dimes. Um, does he stick forever? Um, football season, right? I mean, it basically boils down to that. If you're a Gents fan, yeah, I agree with you on the you know on the pass rushers. You know, they have uh, Dory Jackson played great last year, and Xavier McKinney's healthy, and he's getting the green dot. And you know, and when Martindale's defense, he should be you know the uh, the Ed Reed type player. Not comparing him to Ed Reed, but he should be the Ed Reed type of the defense, which could be very exciting. And then you have you know obviously on the other side of the ball, the offensive line is greatly improved with getting Evan Neal, arguably the best right tackle in the draft there, with Thomas on the left side, and they have all the weapons as long as they stay healthy. And then you know Daniel. Jones is obviously going to it's a make or break year for him but also to an extent Saquon Barkley you know he has to come back and stay healthy he's been banged up when he is healthy he's one of the best in the league and uh you know it's funny too to tie this into like a, a what if thing the reports coming out today that I was reading or yesterday uh back in the 2018 draft the Broncos were trying to move heaven and earth to get to the number two pick and to get Sam Donald because John Elway loved him and it just makes you think of you being the president of the the what if fan club in the NFL it, it would be you know how different the NFL would look if Saquon did not go through to the Giants if Gettleman did pick up the phone accept the trade Giants got a boatload of picks probably take a pick five right with the Broncos had probably take Quinn Nelson both their offensive line they probably got a couple other picks down the road too that they, they could have been way better the Broncos could have been you know maybe they could have saved Donald who knows the Jets obviously don't have to deal with the Donald mess NFL could have been wildly different if that happened so uh but with that didn't happen now we're stuck with him and you, they need Saquon Barkley to to be what he was drafted number two overall he has to be a thousand yard back and he has to take a lot of the pressure off Daniel Jones so uh, I don't agree with you that they'll be the fourth place team I think that's still Washington I just cannot get a read on the Eagles and if I had a bet it right now I just don't think Jalen Hurts is the guy I, I don't so I think right that's, now I well think, that's everything that he is he's the to me the central figure of the nfc east if he's if he's for real and he does not have to be a top 10 statistically or otherwise um kind of guy but they are loaded up on the line of scrimmage both sides of the line of scrimmage they have playmakers on offense i really like what the Eagles have, I mean, the two, the question marks, it's less than ideal to be at the two most important spots. I don't know if I have faith in Nick Sirianni in year two, and I don't know that I buy Jalen Hurts, but if Hurts is good, I really do think that they're going to jump over the Cowboys and win the division. It's exciting to be talking about. That's the main thing. In the meantime, we're waiting to see what the Deshaun Watson suspension is going to be. The latest is that maybe they're trying to meet somewhere in the middle on this. We'll see where that lands at the time of this recording. We still don't know, but it's certainly going to be at minimum half the year, you would have to think. Jimmy G, who knows? Now, I don't get what who is um, putting this report out that after he signed his big-time deal uh, three years ago with the Niners, that then he kind of no-showed on the Niners, and I'm not sure exactly who's incented to spread that rumor. Not the Niners. They want Jimmy G off the books. So I'm not sure exactly where that's going. Zach Wilson, this is why you have to temper your enthusiasm and your predictions, maybe even your bets, a little bit until things clarify. Zach Wilson, knee surgery going down. We have to see how long he's going to be down. Things were tracking, at least for me, especially after the rumors of him making his love on one of his mother's friends. I thought this was a heroic deed on his part, and it spoke to where he was headed as a man. 
Um, now, see, it's Joe Flacco again, so I don't know how enthused you are about all of that. But like I say, for Pittsburgh, people are very excited. I know it was against, I don't know, I don't, couldn't tell you who was against, I couldn't even tell you who was covering. Um, <laughs> matter of fact, I was just going to say, I couldn't tell you who was covering the game-winning touchdown pass receiver. Now that I think I couldn't even tell you the name of the receiver who caught the game-winning touchdown pass for the Steelers. The point is, it came off the right arm of Kenny Pickett. His small little hand was just enough to push the ball out to the sideline. Pretty good throw there to win the game for the Steelers. The enduring story, though, this, um, this training camp is George Pickens, who, boy, like our pal, like Taylor likes to say, you know, he shoved a grown man onto the ground <laughs> trying to block him a DB. It wasn't nice because, of course, uh, as Ike would tell you, that's someone's daddy. Um, so cruel stuff to do there, George Pickens, but reason to feel good about all of that. Um, and, you know, we, we talked about it, or did we get to it, Tatis kind of derailing what was one of the potential um, ambushers of the, the, the beautiful Final Four as your Yankees. Man, they're good thing the rest of the East is uh, isn't as good as we expected. If the Jays were just as good as people were anticipating them to be this year, they would really have a shot at catching the Yanks. But they're still the your, your guys are still ten games up despite despite losing nine out of the last eleven. We need a Yanks, Astros, Metropolitans, Dodger Final Four. It looked for a second there like the Padres after getting Soto, might have a chance of interrupting that. But uh, with Tatis getting shut down for uh, PEDs, that's probably not going to happen. Now I miss, oh, spaghetti. The one other thing before we get to Kabali, two things actually, media-related stuff that I want your reaction on. One, I I have been a skeptic when I see Marjorie Taylor Greene or otherwise saying like, people are persecuting the Christians. I'm like, are they really more than other groups out there? But when I see NBC has put in the booth to call Notre Dame fighting Irish football games, Jack Collinsworth, Chris's son, and Jason Garrett, egad, spaghetti. That has to hurt. It's terrible. I mean, I'm not one to really care too much about the announcers, the the, the teams, and uh, you know, I understand it's a hard gig and there's you know, a lot of turnover. But I feel like there's nobody that's had more turnover than like this Notre Dame booth. Like going back a few years ago, having like Mayock. Obviously, Mayock gets the job with the the Raiders, and I, I really did enjoy him. Flutie was there uh, for a bit, and I was like, why is there a Boston College guy doing it? But he wasn't terrible. Obviously, Drew Brees, uh, and the same thing. I thought Drew Brees. Okay, he's getting his start. He's I, I want to hear the quarterback insight. Wasn't you know, it wasn't very Tony Romo-esque, uh, but, uh, you know, and then losing Tariko as a play-by-play guy who's awesome. I really do enjoy Mike Tariko. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, with a team that's, you know, ranked again, they're number five in the AP poll. Another, it should be another solid season. And uh, you have a guy who's – you have the kid – of you know one of the faces of NBC and Chris Collinsworth of Jack Collinsworth now, and then you have G- Jason Garrett who des- like for sure I'm upset with this because of his history with the Giants and him being a Cowboys head coach. Now, if I was a, a fan of the Arizona Cardinals in Notre Dame, I probably wouldn't care as much about Jason Garrett doing it. But Jason Garrett now, like he's just following me everywhere. And after the 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 struggles, how can he you land that the, 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 the whole the entertainment? If the the Jason Garrett, who is the most boring man in in a profession. <laughs> populated by people who are willfully boring. They never want to say anything of interest because they don't want to get headlines. Still, 
Among that group, Jason Garrett presented as the most vanilla of them all. And Without somehow he's, I don't get why he would be any network's choice to do play, I mean, I, to do uh, color. It's really weird. I, I don't know. I, I want to tell you this because this is exactly what I've texted to all my Notre Dame fan friends. I said this to our, our pal Ken Brown, who roots for the Irish too. And I'm not sure how this works with TV contracts, but I know A Rod has done it because A Rod was on Fox and on ESPN. There was one clear, obvious home run answer of who should be in the, the booth for Notre Dame games. I don't even care who the play-by-play guy is. It's Brady Quinn. Like, Brady Quinn is oh, awesome yeah. on Fox. He is right. so good on Fox. He was the one of the best quarterbacks in Notre Dame history. He's, you know, recent enough where you have a good mix of, like, the older fans will remember him, but so will the younger fans like myself will know who he is. And I, he's he's just great on the Fox shows. Do what you can, NBC, to pay this guy or have, like, him just the one day a week on the Saturdays do the Notre Dame games because you want a familiar face. You want somebody who's in touch with the program. Um, uh, I know, obviously, Mike Golick Jr., another great answer, or Mike Golick, you would get one of them in there. But to me, if you, you Brady Quinn is a home run. He was the quarterback. He was one of the best. Uh, he's a great-looking dude, a great guy. I mean, he's been on our on the EP shows a bunch. Like, that's the answer. I don't know yeah, how right. it's Yeah, right. Mike Golick Jr. would be yeah. a gem. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, I don't know if Jerome Bettis would be good. I'm trying to think of who's out there that I've seen do any media before. I guess Bettis, it didn't end well with him and NBC. But Jason, Gary, you can't do better than that. We have 7 billion people. That That's the guy you go with. And Chris Collinsworth's son, who, by the way, I know people like to go after people like that. You only got that gig because of nepotism. You think Jack Collinsworth isn't aware of that? I would laugh if <laughs> I were him. I, I, I have no issue with him taking the gig. I think people would like for him to say no out of some sense of principle. But, of course, he should be tickled that he got that gig uh, by hook or by crook. And then A-Rod and Derek Jeter got together for, I, I've not watched one second of that MLB sidecast this year. Just because Peyton and Eli were interesting, you knew going in. I didn't think A-Rod would be very interesting. What happened on this one? They showed them shirtless and Derek Jeter didn't like it on the most recent uh, uh, alternate broadcast for MLB on Sunday night. I think, yeah, and then, uh, you know, they were joking with each other, but it's very awkward because they're clearly not best friends, but they try to, like, force <laughs> it for appearances, and it, it's very, it's like, you, it's very cringe to watch. You're watching with, like, you, your your toes are curled because you're like, oh, God, get this off my screen. I don't want to see this, like, A-Rod, and I'm an A-Rod supporter. I'm a fan of A-Rod, and uh, it's just weird to see him interact, and Jeter, who's, like, you know, obviously a recluse, but comes out of hiding for his documentary. The captain, obviously, has been released, and to do this broadcast quickly and just kind of, like, save face, like, uh, look, me and A-Rod are so, like, we're pals. Like, I guarantee if you check their phones, like, Jeter probably hasn't texted or called him in a number of years, probably since they were teammates together, if that. So, um, yeah, it's very, very strange, especially because the episode of The Captain with uh, A-Rod, I didn't, haven't watched this one yet, admittedly, but just from the stuff I've seen, it, it did seem like the uh, the Yankees acquisition of Alex didn't really sit well with Jeter or his dad. So, um, very strange to, to put them together, but at least Michael Kay was there, who seems to have a good relationship with those guys, but it's yeah, I don't I don't know. We got to we got to stop these like weird combos on on broadcasts. Um yeah, very very strange stuff. I'm I, I'm I guess impressed or maybe it's a rationalization on your part, but either way, um Yankees fans, I think the majority of them are starting to worry a little bit. Not any spaghetti though. He says it's just a regular season and I kind of agree with that. I think you're allowed to swoon a little bit over the course of 162 games. They're firmly into the playoffs. They're not going to blow the division. So what's to worry about? Get uh, get your pitchers right. Get that uh, get that trio ready to go for October baseball and I I I I guess I'm not as gonna, although they've been playing badly now 
for it it hasn't been a little bit of a dip for one week now this has gone on for a little while now spaghetti still no concerns well, no i mean it's because you know Rizzo, like i said rizzo was hurt he just came back recently stan was is uh injured now dj mayhew is getting an mri on his toe so you're missing some bats obviously they lost um the last game to the red Sox. they only had two hits i think it's happened only a handful of times this this year so one game it's like the, the bats weren't alive and i could say yeah probably because the injuries um and then you know then the pitching is was the issue on other games so uh, you know they they did what they had to do with the deadline. They just it seems like the pitching staff hasn't been awesome yet. But they're very lucky. They're lucky they have the, this ten game this ten game lead. And obviously if they go into the playoffs missing Stan or missing Lemayhew or um, whatever, if they don't get Severino back at all for the postseason, then then yeah they'll they'll be in trouble. But until the, those things are concrete, you know, fact, I'm not going to start worrying yet because in a, in a, once you get to a series and you have guys like Montas and Cole uh, and Cortez has been good, and if Severino comes back and you have all the healthy bats there it's still a, a brutal lineup to face and uh, the bullpen has, has enough help there's a closer issue for sure but again when you're in the postseason th- things don't really go how regular season baseball goes you start using pitches whenever you want uh even for an inning just for a batter way different game so i i'm still confident in them to to right the ship all right um quickly before we jump into some afc north talk again nfc east talk excuse me some props i wanted to throw your way i do think the eagles are going to win the division um, you can bet that yeah, with some juice attached to it. Eagles win the division. You can get that at plus 170. I also like Darius Slay over two and a half interceptions because your guy, James Bradbury, is now on the other side there. That means that Slay should see a few more targets this year um, coming his way. That equals some picks, and he t- tends to track somewhere in that three or four pick range annually. Um, like I said, I think he's going to be targeted a little bit more than he was last year. That leads me to believe he'll have some more picks. Micah Parsons at plus 1,000. Not that juicy. A lot of people are on that, but there are a few names ahead of him in what figures to be a big sophomore year there, and he is going to be responsible. I don't know what Tank Lawrence is going to be this year. I don't know um, if Fowler is going to be the answer there as he comes over. The one dependable guy that they have to get after the QB is Micah Parsons, so he better stay healthy, and if he has the year that they anticipate he's a good bet at defensive player of the year and i also like the commies i get your concern there the more i look at it i like them over eight and a half wins um, over the course of the season you can get that at plus 145 and one more recommendation from dave while other people are off at rock and roll shows i watched belfast and i uh, and i swooned for it it's dynamite stuff the black and white kenneth branow picture about what was going down in belfast around about late 60s early 70s ira all that stuff wonderful stuff that's your people right spaghetti you should watch that movie well, Belfast is in Northern Ireland, and I'm not, I'm not I'm not from there. I think my family's traced back to Cork, which is just Ireland. Close enough. Well, it's a different country. If a Jew from Pittsburgh could like it, you can like it as well. Get back to me. Watch the movie. I, I, it's yeah, wonderful. I, I should watch it, but it was one of those I I, uh, I heard it was like you know depressing and stuff. So I, I that's the one you read like the Wikipedia plot to understand what the movie's about. I'm like, okay, I guess maybe if it's on one day, I'll, I'll try to watch it. But I'm not sure if I'll like sit down on a Friday night with a bo- uh, box of popcorn and be like, all right, let's watch this, you know, pretty much depressing movie. Yeah, it's not it's it's not exactly a good replacement for Thor. If you're looking for something <laughs> like that, it's a different it's a different uh, kind of energy. Um, but uh, but anyway, all right, let's get to it right after this quick break.
All right, here he is, everybody. He's what Terry Silver is to the All-Valley Tournament. He's the Miyagi to Mason Rudolph's Daniel son. You can track his great work down on The Athletic on all things black and gold, AFC North, and pro football in general. It's our pal, breakout star of 2022, Mark Kabali. What's the poop, fella? How you been, man? You look a little flustered, Check. What's up? Oh, my God. I'm pulling my hair out, Kabali. The kids spilled water on my laptop <laughs> over the weekend. Nothing's working. I'm using a different bag. But listen. We're not here to kibitz about my issues. We're here to talk about Mike Tomlin's issues, the decisions he has to make and beyond. Good stuff over the weekend at Acrisure. That's what we're going with now. And you were there at PNC on Sunday night to see Metallica. First of all, how was the show? Oh, absolutely spectacular. There's, there hasn't been as many fans in PNC Park since Cueto dropped the ball. And I think there might have been even more people there last night. Fabulous live, live performance. And I did one of the most yinzer things ever, Sheck. I looked at the, I, uh, I got their playlist and saw their uh, encore and realized that Sanitarium was going to be their last song. So halfway through, I got up and left so I could beat the traffic. <laughs> that's, that's not a yinzer thing. That's an old man thing. That's what my old man would do with two minutes left in the third period at the igloo. It's like, hey. It's a one-goal game. We're not leaving. What, 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 why did we even bother to do the whole thing? At least you saw the majority of the music. Real quick before we get into the Pittsburgh Steelers here, um, Dan Campbell was quoting in Hard Knocks a Metallica song, and he was I think he intended it to be inspirational, but his first message to the, the, to the Lions this season was to quote the uh, Metallica song. Then it comes to be that the soothing light at the end of your tunnel was just a freight train coming your way. This doesn't seem inspirational at all. What am I missing here? I don't even know that song. I'd have to listen. Do you know what song it was? Uh, you know, sometimes it's hard to understand some of uh, James Hetfield's words, so I don't even know where that came from. I, I know they were doing a uh, – I know one line he could have used, but it was more – probably point for for uh, roger goodell and uh, lying goodell. Uh, i'm the judge jury and executioner i did i did come <laughs> i did come across straight last night and i figured yeah that, that's roger goodell right <laughs> well no i thought he vended it out to a third party or then a third party <laughs> rendered a verdict and goodell <laughs> said i don't know if i agree with that so anyway at the time of this recording we haven't gotten his new verdict on Deshaun Watson or the league. So, <clears throat> so we'll await that and we'll try and address uh, one of the division's ongoing bullies, the Pittsburgh Steelers here. And listen, how do we balance? I talk all the time, Kabali, about the Civil War reenactment that is preseason football and don't get duped into uh, what your eyes are telling you. They're playing against scrubs, especially in the second half of a preseason game. But... The local guy, Kenny Pickett, looked awfully good. How do we measure this? How do we put a little bit of uh, salt into the mix here to contextualize what we saw from him versus Trubisky versus Mason Rudolph, your guy? Well, you're a Pittsburgh guy, Sheck, so you know what's happening here in Pittsburgh right now. You got the local guy from Pitt as a backup quarterback, and obviously they do not like Mason Rudolph, so it's not going very well for Mason Rudolph in the fans' eyes. They want Pickett up to number one right now, but you are absolutely right with preseason. Not only are we talking about preseason, we're talking about the Seattle Seahawks preseason 
could be one of the worst teams in the NFC. And we're talking about a team that didn't play six starters. And when Kenny Pickett threw that touchdown, I hate to mention this, it was like the four-string cornerback for Florida Atlantic undrafted guy that totally misplayed it. Saying that, he did do what they were asked. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better beginning for Pickett. I mean, he did what they said. But, you know, if Mark Robinson doesn't cause that fumble, the play before, does Kenny Pickett's view in the minds of Pittsburghers change? Maybe a little bit. But right now, it's all Kenny Pickett, man. That's all they want. And I feel bad for Mitch Trubisky when and if, not if, but more when he wins this job is as soon as he throws one interception, there's going to be Kenny, Kenny chance. It's going to be like that all the time. Like like you're at the Kenny Chesney concert at Heinz Field. It's going to be Kenny, Kenny. It's always going to be. <laughs> never have seen Metallica in Pittsburgh. Never have seen Kenny Chesney. Um, never have been a parrot head. Seen plenty of shows, but a lot of mine were at uh, Three River Stadium back in the day. Yeah. The Caesar Engler, huh? Get your tickets from the Caesar Engler. Dude, I went over. I see. I seen uh, Pink Floyd. I seen Genesis. I saw. I seen a lot of good shows. I saw over there Genesis ninety two at Three River Stadium. One of the worst I, shows. I was there for that one. As a matter of fact, yeah. You know, the, the Penguins were playing in like the conference championship at the same time, and I was very upset that I got tickets because that was like ninety two, I believe. I was very upset. In the 80, I remember. I'm. I'm so old. I remember at the during the eighty six World Series game seven. I agreed to go see Billy Joel with a pal of mine and I uh, didn't want to be rude and back out of it. So I went, but I resent, I wanted to watch game seven, but Billy Joel off the side where we were positioned up high, you could see backstage. He and his pals had a TV back there and he would periodically go back there during the show to check on the score. So Billy Joel and I shared, uh, shared a moment that night. All right. So I'm with you. I mean, listen, I don't try to overreact to preseason games and and what you see there. Um, the Mason Rudolph thing, the booing of him is a little weird because I don't know exactly what he's done to upset Pittsburghers. You have been his number one advocate for at least the past year. Do you think realistically, I, I listen, if Trubisky gets hurt there's zero, in the next two, three weeks, there's zero chance the Steelers move on from him. But do you still say that he is on the roster on opening day, Rudolph? Or do you think there's one of the other 31 teams out there that's going to say, all right, we'll take a flyer on this guy out of need? It's a complex question because it's going to depend on what Kenny Pickett does for the next couple of weeks, if he could prove he can be that number two. And that has to, you have to, uh, put that together with actually them getting a decent offer. And I mean, a decent offer, maybe a six round pick, you're not asking for much. So if, if those things come together, yeah, I could see him off the roster, but I mean, what a $3 million a year, you know, insurance policy right there. I mean, if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers fan in 2019, you saw Duck Hodges out there, you know what I'm saying? You don't want to get to that point where if Mitch gets hurt and if Kenny gets hurt or Kenny can't do it, then all of a sudden you're looking up trying to find out where Landry Jones is. So this is a really, really cheap option then for a year. Of course he's not in their future. He's not coming back here next year. He'd be dumb to sign back here when he has a number one pick in front of him and a guy that you know they spent the most money they've ever on, on a quarterback to bring in. He's not dumb. He knows the case right here but man i would love to have that in my backyard back pocket man a mason rudolph and he's played well i'm not sitting here just making things up to troll he's played well in otas and minicamp he's looked good up the hill here at st vincent college he looked pretty decent in in the opener he had 
best pass of the day to George Pickens. Uh, was he perfect? Absolutely not. But neither the other two are, are, were either. So, you know, roundabout way, Sheck, if they can get a decent pick for him, yeah, I think they'd move on because it's not he's not in their future. But that's not going to happen till September first. Yeah, I would, I would think, I would think that that's right. And as far as that goes, you know, this is uh, an imperfect roster, but probably a little bit better than people surmised around about mid February of 2022. Do you expect with the money that they have left, um, and there is there there is some legitimate loot there? Do you anticipate if they only add one spot, a vet OLB, um, maybe uh, another corner like Joe Hayden is still sitting out there, or maybe Chris Harris even is a possibility is is out on the market too, or is there another spot, or or maybe it's an offensive tackle because there are some name brand guys that are out on the street right now. How say you? I think the benefit of this camp so far is it shows that they probably don't need a backup running back if it's right. Jalen. Horn, if it's Anthony McFarlane, if it's Master Teague, if it's Benny Snell, these aren't great names, right? But they play, they're showing enough out there where you could take those four snaps away from Najee Harris, right? That's all he's going to probably miss per game. So throw that out. I mean, the glaring need to me is depth of the outside linebacker. You got mm-hmm. Watt, you got Highsmith. Uh, they were hoping Tuzar Skipper's name from the past was going to do something. He got hurt. They just put him on the IR. You got guys like Tarek Tuska, Jannard Avery, and Delonte Scott as your next men up behind Watt and Highsmith. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't feel too comfortable about that right now. They got to get somebody. Who's out there? What name appeals to you if you're aware of who's on the waiver wire right now? I haven't really kept up to up to speed, but somebody like a Melvin Ingram type of player, you know, but not guy. Melvin Ingram because I don't not think him. I don't think he'll take the call, no. and I don't think Tomlin's going to make it in the first place. No, hopefully not. But somebody who might get cut, uh, he's probably not even on the uh, free agency market yet. It's probably going right. to be get cut. You got to get a veteran in there. I mean, they played Tuska like three quarters yesterday, start the into the fourth, trying to see what he can do, and he is what he is. He's he's a role player. And you hate to say it, but that's what he is. That's where you need it. And you look at last year, Watt got hurt. I believe he got hurt in five different games maybe. Um, Highsmith missed a game or two, and you need those outside pass rushers. Avery's not bad, but he was banged up. He played, I believe, I forget where he was. He has some. He was with the Jets maybe last year, or Giants. So he has some uh, experience, but that's the place I look at right now. Outside linebacker, you need depth. Speaking of linebacker, the name that uh, every Pittsburgh Steeler fan jumped on last week when the Chicago Bears and Roquan Smith have a little bit of a melodrama going on there right now. He says he wants traded. I mean, first of all, I, you know, I've talked to any number of, of Steelers wonks about this, about philosophically in a QB league, investing that much in a defense, the wisdom of doing that, how durable uh, that is, how much that sets you up for success. Um, is that is that plausible or is that a non-starter that the the, the Steelers could figure out some package to get Roquan Smith? Because if you dropped it, because Devin Bush, I mean, that uh, for all the celebrations of George Pickens and did you see that play by Kenny Pickett and Trubisky <laughs> didn't look half bad. People are very upset about Devin Bush, the 10th overall pick a few years back and how he continues to not look great. Yeah, Devin Bush, I mean, if 
in the perfect world, you take Roquan Smith in the absolute heartbeat. You know what I'm saying? Stick him right in there. Bush had zero tackles. Uh, there are other. I mean, Miles Jack's not bad. Miles Jack, pretty good. Uh, he showed he ha- has probably what he had, you know, three or four years ago when he was at his apex with Jaguars. So I don't have to worry about that. You have to worry about the second guy. Bush, like I said, no tackles. Still look hesitant. Doesn't want to stick his head in there. Robert Spillane's limited. So if you can get a guy like Roquan Smith, let's be realistic. I mean, not only are you giving up a first-round pick or multiple picks, then you're going to have to give him $100 bucks, right, over four years. I mean, with Minka, you're like, oh, they traded for Minka. But no, nah, Minka was a second, a 21-year-old guy who the Dolphins already paid all of his signing bonus, all his guaranteed money, and you had to give up a first-round pick for him. Then you have four years with him or three years, whatever, before you had to pay for him. You have to do a sign-and-trade with a Roquan Smith. And do they have the money? They could definitely make it fit. The question is, do you want to give up that much capital to bring that guy in at you know, 25, 26? I would say probably not. It would be a long shot. But they need something to happen at that inside linebacker position, Dave. It's not so it's not going to be Buddy wrong. Johnson, and it's not, I'm getting a little deep in the weeds with black and gold. It's not going to be Buddy Johnson because like there was Buddy a Johnson. fair amount of hump a year of hype a year ago about what yeah, he was going he, to be. He's 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 he would be perfect in like 1989, you know, Levon Kirkland, like big, strong downhill guy, still a little limited in coverage. I think he still needs. He could be a guy that's a late bloomer where you can get him two or three years down the line. I don't think he's quite ready for that right now. Right now it's a three-man race, and they're probably going to play all three of them with uh, Bush Spillane and Miles Jack. Other than that, I mean, Ulysses Gilbert was on the roster for five years. He's gone because of an injury. They don't have much depth there as well. So that's another place you have to look at. But, but man, people might hate Devin Bush more than they hate Mason Rudolph now. Mason it's Rudolph, getting crazy, yeah. But, I mean – at least he hasn't moved? played well. Mason Rudolph, what's he done? As I always say, if, if Friar Muth doesn't fumble in overtime against the Lions, uh, Pittsburgh feels very different about that guy. Yeah, they would be like, ah, he's fine. Nobody would love him, but, it, but people found, would boo him. He found out 10 hours before the game that he was playing. Right. That's, a, that's huge. That's huge. So, plus, you know, he threw one little, he threw a bad pass and it was terrible weather, but they booed him for getting sacked on an Olay block by Dan Moore and uh, <laughs> 1.7 seconds, he gets his head knocked off and they're booing him Two place later. He throws the best pass that you've ever seen, uh, you know, at least in a year or so best pass he may have ever thrown right to Pickens hands. It was just a weird, weird flex of them booing Mason Rova. I, I'm thinking they're pitting Mason against the hometown pit guy. So they'd much rather have, you know, Pickett is number two than Mason, so Mason's the enemy. That's the only thing I could think of. Right. It feels like nobody – we decided we had to move on from Mason Rudolph two years ago and the fact that he still exists, that he has the temerity to be in the mix is upsetting and vexing the Steelers fans. But, all right, let's do it in Pittsburgh terms here. Who's going to win more games this year at Akersher <laughs> slash Hines? Kedon Slovis and Pitt or Trubisky, Mason, Pickett, and the Pittsburgh Steelers? Who's going to win more games? At the stadium or overall, you're saying? In general, in general. In general, okay. I think it might be a tie. You know, both can win eight or nine games, right? Eight or nine. That's where you're, you're oh, going to land all, here? For all we know, Slovis might be like 
had his leg amputated. Apparently, it's like high. Uh, you know, he got hurt the other day. He didn't get hurt the other day. Nobody's saying anything. He might be on the field. He might not be on the field. Boy, do I love not covering college football. You know. <laughs> <laughs> So maybe maybe he transferred back to USC with Jordan Addison. I don't know, but yeah, I think the Steelers. You still have to look at them at a, as a eight nine winish team. Um, it all going to depend on well, not only quarterback play. I think you have to move up front a little bit. One of these quarterbacks might get their head knocked off. If you saw how the Steelers pass blocked the other day, and that line's pretty much total new from last year too, for the most part. So you get decent line play. You play. Very boring 1988 Ernest Jackson type of football, you know, Chuck Noll type of football, turn around on the defense. And yeah, Merrill you can Hodge. games. Yeah. Well, so does that, if you could get in, you're, you're good, pal. Last question for you, because I know you have to get to practice. Mike Tomlin, your, your good friend who likes to throw zingers at you at the press <laughs> conferences now and, and all of that kind of stuff. If you can get inside his head, what is success to him this year i know the goal is the you know super bowl contention and all that but in in his heart new year's day or maybe a week beyond what does he say yeah that was a good season overall this is we're having a nice year well he would probably only tell himself this because regardless he's going to say like you said super bowl sure you know, Standard is a standard, but you have to look at this as the first step of a rebuild building block type of I mean, this offense is all 23, 24-year-olds, man. First and second year, some of them have some experience. And, I mean, you think Ben said last year we were going to struggle on offense early because we got some new people. Wait till this year. I mean, I don't, I don't believe anything I saw against the Seahawks. So if you can get into the playoffs, that's the number one goal. So I think that in the back of his mind, if you give him that truth serum, I don't even know if truth serum exists. I guess it does. I see it on movies all the time, right? If you give it to him and you really nail him down to it, I would think he would say a playoff appearance would be he would consider a successful year. Yeah, I don't care if it's, you know, whether it's uh, Wonder Woman's lasso or, like you say, the serum. Let's get on that already. You know, we were promised a lot of things by movies and that haven't been delivered just yet. I always thought, I mean, when are we going to have teleportation already? I mean, this has been promised to us for for our entire lives. Instead of, like, Kabali having to walk over exactly. to practice, it's just like, I'm ready to be at practice. Bonk, you're right there on the practice. You know, or, 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 like, the Jetsons, the moving sidewalks. You know, the guy yeah. with Achilles, I would die for that right now. Just get on the old Jetson thing and zip right up the hill to the practice. But, nah, I think they oversold, underdelivered. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. Now uh, we could uh, we could do a half an hour breaking down Karate Kid and then into the series. But like I say, you have your Coming day up. your your day stuff to attend to here. So I'm going to let you go. Go watch weeks, uh, the Steelers. Three weeks, Jack, Cobra Kai five coming out September 9th. You know where I'll be. Yeah, I, you know what I think deep. I think deep down, and I don't think you do it ironically like the hipsters do now. I think uh, Kabali was in. I think he's an OG. He actually liked Cobra Kai better than he liked Daniel-san. True? No, I mean, no, yeah, no, you no, know no. that Miyagi's a fraud. He's no teacher. No, no, His no. day the, job was to clean the pool at the apartment complex, <laughs> and instead it was a cesspool no one could use because he was busy with his bonsai tree. Then he employs this teenage kid to do his to do his hard labor, sanding decks and painting fences and everything else, and we're supposed to hail this old drunk? No. Fair. <laughs> 
Oh, drunk. Listen, Yo-Yo always called me a Daniel LaRusso guy, but I am a Miyagi guy. And whatever you said there was all blasphemy. That's not the truth. The guy was a great human being. And uh, if it wasn't for him, Daniel would be totally lost in life like he's not lost in life right now at age 58 in Cobra Kai. But Miyagi is, if there's no Miyagi, there is no Karate Kid. And if there's no, uh, I can't even think of it. What's his real name now? Miyagi? I called Miyagi so long. Marita. But Pat Marita was a superstar before all that. He was on in Happy Days. Before Big Al made the scene, he was working at the Happy Days Diner. Yes, I was going. I was thinking Happy Days. That's why I got confused with the name Pat. Mar- no Pat Morita. There is no Karate Kid. There's no Cobra Kai. There's no Terry Silver. There's no John Kreese. But uh, hey, Danielson. In the meantime, talk about things that we see in movies. Are you know he has some time travel abilities that haven't been celebrated. Somehow he knew a New Jersey kid moves to Los Angeles, the suburbs of Los Angeles, and somehow has an old San Diego Chargers West Chandler jersey. How did he know the Chargers were moving to L.A.? I thought it was, for all, all these years, I thought it was a Ladarius Green jersey. No, it's West Chandler? <laughs> <laughs> Look who brings it back to Pittsburgh. La- very last question for real. Right. One, Give me who wins the division and who finishes in last place. Well, we got to go with Bengals. I mean, they're just too Dude, little. I, no, I go Ravens, actually, but okay. The- See, I I, I got to see more from the Ravens. I know they just signed Dobbins or took Dobbins off the pup list. But until, you know, the quarterback, that quarterback issue might get into the season might be a little bit of an issue. i tell you one thing. If Deshaun Watson plays the entire season, I think the Browns would have a shot. But obviously that's not the case. I mean, I think we all tend to forget how good Deshaun Watson is as a quarterback. I mean, very good player. A couple of years ago, I mean, what did he do with Houston? And that was an awful team. So right now I'm going to go Cincinnati number one. It's going to be the Slugfest Pittsburgh, Baltimore number two, and the Cleve Brownies way down the line because they're the going to The Brownies st- is back. They did this to themselves. So remember Dobbs, that. Kobe, maybe Jimmy G will come. He'll save the day. <laughs> if they end up paying a big chunk of Jimmy G's contract after they <laughs> traded it away, Baker Mayfield, it'll just be the bronziest thing in the history of bronze. Uh, meantime, on the right side of the Ohio Pennsylvania border, thrilled to see one of the great treasures of, uh, of the banks, Mark Cabali breaking out big time. Thanks to uh, another Yinzer, Pat McAfee and company <laughs> getting some shine, much deserved. Make sure you track down Cabali's work. One of the great insiders um, really cuts to it, gets what's going down, uh, cuts out the jive and all the, the fandom stuff. That's what I, I'm here to provide. Um, <laughs> and Cabali uh, lays it all out there for you. Track him down on the athletic and beyond. Thanks for the time, pal. All right. We'll see you, Shake. Talk to you soon. There he goes, Eddie Spaghetti Kabali. now on the fields at St. Vincent, or at least walking his way down there, or maybe he teleported his way over there. Uh, final thoughts for today. Uh, well, number one, uh, I'm jealous that you have uh, Mark Cavalli as a, a beat writer for your team. I feel like uh, I'm, I really would like that. Uh, nothing against the beat writers or the teams I like, but I just feel like Mark has just this great attitude, and he's very uh, has this like dry sense of humor. I really enjoy Mark, and I appreciate him coming on the show. And uh, the number two thing, you know, uh, with the Steelers, it's it's 
when you have a, a guy in Kenny Pickett who throws a touchdown pass, doesn't matter who was covering him, and you have him a first round pick, he's from there. Everything like then Mark said about the minute Mitch slips up at all, because I'm 98% sure, I'm sure you are too, that Mitch will probably be the starting quarterback. But when you, the oh, guy, yeah. when his resume is what it is, like, you know, number two pick kind of bust, then goes as a backup quarterback to Buffalo, it's like, it's not like you brought in some high level veteran that you trust in it's a guy you're just basically waiting for him to screw up to switch it over and the pressure on that it's like you basically have to go undefeated and beat like your big time rivals for him to be safe at the starting quarterback job so i, I wouldn't be shocked if kenny pickett's the starter uh quicker rather than later yeah i think like i say you know with tomlin's expectations or you know I, I kind of have none. You know, there are two better rosters, at least in the division. And if Deshaun Watson was on the Browns, the, there'd be three rosters within the division. So, you know, it's hard to get too over your skis for it if you're looking at it realistically. I don't know. Though. Maybe there'll be some, maybe uh, Khan will swing some last uh, last minute deal and get Roquan Smith and they'll just be the greatest defense in the QB league um, around there. All right. Um, we'll cut it off there. And But uh, one last question, Spaghetti. Metallica, yay or nay? Yeah, I love Metallica. I'm not oh, a yeah. huge metal guy. There's only a few like harder rock bands I really enjoy. Um, but I've seen Metallica perform once, only a handful of songs at the Chris Cornell tribute. But I'd love to see Metallica live. I, I've been listening to them a lot lately. Their um, their live albums with the symphony, the orchestra, the S and M albums. There's two of them. Awesome uh, things. Obviously, the, everyone loves them again now because of the Stranger Things kind of collaboration. But Metallica's great. People, people love them. Yeah, they they never hit me in the soul, but I get it. And people say they're live shows if you're into them at all or uh, or must see. So anyway, um, uh, I guess that's that. Great thanks to uh, Kabali. Great insights there. Eddie Spaghetti and I will be back with our guy Kevin Hench on Thursday. Obviously, I didn't mention it at the top. We're a little ahead and uh, off schedule here. Extra points coming at you on Tuesday with Cousin Sal and Marty Weiss. Sal doing some traveling um, to interrupt our usual schedule, but we'll get back on track. Like I say, on Tuesday, we'll continue to get you right for football season, the closeout baseball season and beyond. Um, go check out the most important thing right now is probably in your brain or among the most uh, important things, your fantasy team. Make sure you're checking out Waiver Wired with Jen Piacente and Eddie Spaghetti every week going live on Wednesday afternoons and you can track it down as a podcast if you want to do it that way at your leisure um, check out all the great stuff at the Extra Points Network go to extrapoints.com um, to do that and like I say we'll be back to kibitz with you more and we'll be next time we do we'll be that much closer to kickoff of football season until then thanks so much sports fans it's been a thin slice of heaven